Welcome to Answers from Antioch. You have joined us at the intersection of God's Word and today's world. This broadcast is brought to you by the Antioch Baptist Church in Bristol, Virginia. Join us as we examine information that impacts the church, the Christian, and the Christian home. Hello, everyone. Thanks so very much for tuning in today on this Sunday evening, Palm Sunday. Hallelujah. We're reminded of our Lord's triumphal entry into Jerusalem, proclaiming to them, fulfilling Zechariah's prophecy that he was the Messiah. And our Lord came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, First time we have recorded in scriptures that our Lord rode into Jerusalem. Uh, We know he was so poor, he only had the clothes upon his back, and he only walked everywhere he went, and now he rides a borrowed donkey into a city where he is proclaiming himself to be king. How exciting this event was to the children of Israel. Many proclaimed him to be king. And yet, one week later, they crucified the Lord Jesus Christ, just less than a week. Where could they have missed it is a question, isn't it? But let's look at America as well. Where is America missed it? Our foundation and founding was upon the Scriptures, ladies and gentlemen. It truly was 106 of the first 108 Educational institutions were there for distinctive Christian values to be taught. The Word of God was the main textbook of 106 of the 108 first colleges established in America. God's Word was the main textbook they used. And uh, certainly, if you want to read more about this, I encourage you to get a book written by great historian Benjamin Morris. He wrote this book, The Christian Life and Character of the Civil Institutions of the United States. Now, that's quite a long title. I have the book. I bought several copies of it years ago and distributed it among my family members, my brothers, my dad, my brother-in-law and others, so they'd have a copy because this, these truths are fast being erased from our children's memory and mind. It's not even taught anymore uh, in the institutions. But the first institutions was just like uh, a Palm Sunday uh, where Jesus was first and foremost in America as he was first and foremost presenting himself to uh, the children of Israel. Let's read a little about that, and then we'll talk more of the comparison of America and this Palm Sunday entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem. And then Pastor Josh is with us today. He's going to be talking about the school shooting there in that Christian school out there in Memphis and how that uh, the news media has totally missed it, both conservative and the uh, progressives and the liberal media, uh, both have missed it, really. He definitely hits the nail on the head when he talks about what the real problem America has. By the way, it's it's not guns and it's not mental illness. I'm just going to throw that in. You stay with me, and Pastor Josh will be here in a moment to talk about that. But let's look at this triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. He tells his disciples to go and get the donkey in verses 1 and 2 of Matthew 21. 
and they do. And he says to them, when you take, when you get the donkeys, the Lord has, say this, the Lord, Jehovah, here he is, the Lord, Jehovah, hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh unto thee meek, and sitting upon an ass, and on a colt, the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the ass and the colt and put on them their clothes. They set him thereon, and a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried these words. Listen, Hosanna to the Son of David. Save, O save. The word Hosanna is save, O save. The Savior's come. The Messiah is here. Save, O save, to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? Here, a impromptu parade of Jesus, the Son of God, uh, the carpenter from Nazareth, as they knew him, had now presented himself openly as the Messiah, the very Son of God himself, and he had entered Jerusalem. You feel the excitement, don't you? I do. You can sense the excitement that hundreds and hundreds, thousands of people came and, and celebrated the fact, here he comes. Then, of course, you had those secular scoffers, the religious group that were standing there, said, tell these people to be quiet. Uh, you know, tell them to not say those things. Uh, we don't agree with them. We don't agree with this of uh, these things that's being said here. Tell them to be quiet. Jesus says, hey, if I told them to be quiet, the, the rocks would cry out. The stones would start praising me. Of course, he, the creator, made the stones. He made the earth. He made it all. And creation would have praised him. That's what he tells these. But we see the excitement, but we also see the negativism. You see the viewpoints here. And with when in less than a week, Many in this same crowd would crucify the Lord Jesus Christ. How could they go so far the other direction so quickly? Well, how could America go so far so quickly in the opposite direction as what our founding fathers intended? For 250 years, the greatest export that America had, and let's, hey, let's just remember exactly what I'm saying is so accurate, for 250 years, the greatest export America had was Jesus Christ. It was not our philosophy of democratic capitalism. It was not that philosophy of republic that we have. But the glory of a nation lies in its righteousness. Proverbs 14 and 34 declares this clear as can be. It's not our GDP. It's not our military powers. It's not our philosophy of capitalism, as much as I agree with it 100%. Yet, our greatest export in America for 250 years was the Lord Jesus Christ. The nation's rights, as per our founders, come from God. Remember that. Our founders said our right, life, liberty, and and 
the rights that we have. All of these came from God. Now, that's what our founding fathers believed. Yet late in the 18th century, those folks that were part of the French Revolution and its anti-God philosophies and ideologies, they began infiltrating America's halls of higher education. They infiltrated these colleges with their secular creed of liberty, not the liberty that we wrote about in our Declaration of Independence, but a liberty that they had in mind that is much like secularism today. They talked about liberty, equality, fraternity, actually undermining the biblical foundation laid down by the American founders. This all started to fill the universities through those who were devoted to the French Revolution. You can read some of this history yourself, my friend, but it it certainly points to where America went to. Then we, America, Christians, actually, and I I blame the church here. I'm part part of the problem. Part of the blame is that we relinquished our fundamental role in the public square in America. There was a time that the church was the conscience of America. All the way up through uh, what I saw as as late World War, when World War II ended in 1945, and even into the 50s, and particularly in the late 40s and 50s, there was a a shift. I wasn't born yet at the time, but there, there was a definite shift to secularism. Get God out of the way. So that in 1962 and 1963, prayer and the Bible was removed. Then in 1980, the Ten Commandments were taken from public education. So you see how there was a there was a purposeful erasing of God out of America in this short time as a nation, much like the triumphal entry of Christ. When he came into Jerusalem and the people were shouting, Hosanna to the king, save, oh, save, here's the Messiah. He's going to set us free from Roman rule. This is so wonderful. Here he is. And then in less than a week, they crucify him. Now, America is on that same path. We've had hundreds of years. Well, that's young, very, very young for a nation that had the foundation that we have. And ladies and gentlemen, you and I need to understand that the problem, the problem is not the, can we say what the secularists say, the problem is not the mental illness that people have. Uh, and, and now they're blaming everything on mental illness, by the way. Uh, it's not the mental illness and it's not the guns in any form or fashion. Matter of fact, it's very provable that those schools who have the presence of guards and the are the people in the school are armed uh, have they've not been one of those who has had a shooter in the school. Not one in there. So guns is not the problem. It's the person behind the guns. Mental illness is not the problem. Then what on earth is the problem? Well, Genesis 8.21 reminds us that uh, the imagination of a man's heart is evil from his youth. Remember, before the flood? 
And then Jeremiah 17 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, Jeremiah 17 and 9. And then Romans 7 and 18, the Apostle Paul says, In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. You see, what we're seeing here is this. It is the fact that sin is the problem. Sin is the problem. Sin is taking our nation in a downward spiral. And we see that more and more. That was not the intention of the founding fathers in any form or fashion. We know that. We know that from the wording of our documents. We know that, as I said, from this great historian, Benjamin Morris, uh, and many other sources that he used. He wrote this in 1864, by the way. Yes, he did. And so he's long gone, but he didn't want to be erased from America, God's influence. And as he entitled, the long title here, The Christian Life and Character of the Civil Institutions of the United States. Hey, that book, I think it's reprinted. You can still find it. I encourage you to get it. It gives you a great view and great and true history of where we were and how fast we've come in the other direction. Uh, may I say, when we, uh, when we take prayer out of the school, and knowing that prayer went out of the schools, guns came into the schools, right? Uh, there's, as Mayor Adams up there in New York, he said that was one of the biggest mistakes that's ever made was to take prayer out of the school. Eric Adams, he's so right there. No question about it. He hit the nail on the head when he said that. And he says, don't talk to me about a separation of church and state. State is the body. Church is the heart. You take the heart out of the body, the body dies. That's, this is from the now mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, and a Democrat mayor there. And he says the truth. He speaks the truth. So, ladies and gentlemen, we see our problem in America, like the problem that Israel had, the problem that Jerusalem had, the problem that Christ faced is that men were sinners. But here comes Jesus to save them from their sins. He comes in to die on the cross of Calvary to pay the sin debt for every person. The answer is Jesus Christ. But the problem America has is the sin problem. That's truly. Now, Pastor Josh is coming to share with us some very, very important insight to what I've been saying here about the sin problem that we have. Thank you, Pastor Brad, and thank you to our listening audience. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Answers from Antioch, brought to you by the Antioch Baptist Church in Bristol, Virginia. We invite you to connect with us on our website, antiochbristol.com. Also, you will find links to our social media platforms, sermon platforms, so much more at AntiochBristol.com. With the horrific school shooting that took place at the Christian school in Nashville on Monday, God burdened my heart to put down some thoughts and I work with the ministry Southwest Radio and I was able to publish this through them. So I want to share it with you tonight as a way to reflect on what happened and what's really at the core behind this. The truth is America has 
cancer and Monday's horrific shooting at the Covenant School in Nashville reveals that this cancer is spreading and our ministry, our church, we are all heartbroken over this tragedy. We are praying for this community as they walk down this path that none of us would ever want to face. And for our nation to heal, we must address the underlying cancerous issue. And first, we've got to know what the issue is. And very few people are talking about this point. As news of that tragic shooting broke, liberal politicians immediately began talking about gun control legislation, while the conservative news media focused on our nation's mental health crisis. However, I believe that they both failed to address the real American crisis, sin. This heartbreaking event that we witnessed shows that we have a deep spiritual cancer that's spreading from shore to shore, hurting people, lash out to hurt others. Our deep brokenness is really revealed in our evil actions. Friends, it must be addressed for these senseless tragedies to cease. Let me give you an example to help you think through this national cancer of sin. Suppose that there's a middle-aged American man, and he's called in by his doctor for an important consultation. This kind physician is very compassionate, and he lovingly breaks the news to this man that he has a cancerous tumor. As the man is sitting in shock at the diagnosis, he asks the doctor to clarify, you're saying that I have cancer? I don't feel that bad. I haven't noticed any strange symptoms. In fact, doc, I feel pretty normal right now. The kind physician just replies to him, yes, the tests reveal that you have a cancerous tumor inside your body. If it's not treated, this cancer will spread. Let me warn you and be up front with you. It will kill you if you do not address it. So as he lovingly broke that bad news, he instantly shared some good news, like a beacon of hope breaking through a dark cloud. The doctor said this cancer is completely treatable. We can surgically remove the tumor and you will get well. I recommend this surgery as soon as possible. The man argued with his physician, look, everybody has a cancerous tumor of some kind. You told one of my best friends the same thing a couple years ago, and he is still enjoying his life. He started going to another physician who told him to stop calling it cancer, to call it something more positive. And that doctor told my friend that this tumor is a part of who he really is. He encouraged him to embrace it as his journey and as his destiny. He prescribed him some painkillers and encouraged him just to enjoy life to its fullest while it lasted. So now my friend is out traveling the world. He's soaking in all the experiences of a lifetime. And when the pain starts to escalate, he just takes a pill and the pain goes away. Why can't you do the same thing for me, Doc? The wise doctor removed his reading glasses and he sat forward in his desk chair as he said, you know, if that was the best treatment option, 
then yes, obviously, yes, I would do it for you in a heartbeat. Who wants to go through surgery when just a pill will do? But I know what happens as this cancer begins to spread. I warned your friend that he's in from some very serious pain. This cancer is going to eat away at his body from the inside out. Your friend is facing a future where the pain pills won't even touch the pain that he's experiencing. And by not dealing with that cancer right now, your friend is making it much worse for himself. He's facing a horrible future. I don't want to see you go down the same path. This cancer is not who you are. You can call it whatever you want, but it doesn't change what's happening inside of you. It's invaded your body. It's slowly killing you. The surgery that I suggested to you will cure you so that you won't suffer the same fate as your friend. America, we have cancer. When a Bible preacher shares the bad news of sin, we often bristle and we ignore the warnings of sin's destructive power. We turn to other quote-unquote positive voices who will affirm our cancer as normal. They're offering painkillers to numb sin's painful sting. We want to get rid of our symptoms while ignoring the root cause. Our culture thinks these affirming, quote-unquote, positive voices are really the ones who show the most love and compassion because they are accepting and affirming. But we've got to ask ourselves an important question. Which of the two doctors that I shared with you showed the most love? Was it the one who prescribed the painkillers with a positive message while ignoring the future pain? Or was it the physician who kindly called this cancer bad while also offering total healing through surgery? Think about that for just a second. As a Bible preacher and a follower of Jesus, I don't find any sense of satisfaction as I share the bad news of sin and its devastating effects. Friend, I share it with you because I feel that it is the most loving thing that I can do for you. I don't want to leave you with the bad news. There is a beacon of hope shining through the dark clouds. Friend, a cure is available to you today that will remove the effects of your cancerous sin. This cure is not a pill, it's not a high, it's not a temporary fix. It's a person, and this person's name is Jesus. The Bible is clear. Sin is a cancer that we all have. You, me, everyone is impacted by this. No one gets around it. It's destroying us from the inside. It always leads to death. Jesus did not have the cancer of sin. He is the perfect God-man in the flesh. But you know what he did? He willingly took our cancer on himself as he died on that cross. Through his death, through his resurrection, he provided a cure. And if you will receive his free cure, he will heal you. He will give you everlasting life. 
and you can receive His cure today by faith. There's no magic words that cause you to receive this. And you say, well, this cancer of sin has eaten me up. You don't know how bad I am. There's no cure for me. There's no hope left for me. Friend, there is hope for you. If you are still alive, if you're still listening to the sound of my voice, there is hope for you. You can receive the cure of Jesus Christ today by faith. You don't have to say magic words, as I said a moment ago. You just pray from your heart. And you may want to pray a prayer, something like this. Would you pray this with me from your heart? Again, it's about your heart attitude, not just saying a few token words. But you can say something like this. Dear Jesus, I know I have the cancer of sin. I believe that you died. And you rose again to give me the cure I need. And by faith, I receive your cure. I ask you to heal me and to make me spiritually whole. Thank you, Jesus, for changing me from the inside out. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed a prayer like that today, the Bible says that heaven rejoices with you, and I rejoice with you. We rejoice with you, too. So let me encourage you to go beyond that prayer and find a strong Christian friend or family member that you know and tell them today about your decision to follow Jesus. You may want to reach out to us here at Antioch and let us know. You can do so through our website, AntiochBristol.com, and also reach us on our telephone number, 276-669-4030. Again, that's AntiochBristol.com. Our phone number is 276-669-4030. And tell somebody else about it, and then go to a good Bible-based church this Sunday If you don't know where one is, again, reach out to us. If you're close by, come here by all means to Antioch. We'd love to celebrate with you. Friend, the Christian life is a vibrant journey with our wonderful Savior, Jesus. So get in touch with us if we can assist you in knowing Jesus or growing in Him. Let me return to my original thought in closing. America, yes, we do have cancer. But the cure is Jesus. Our nation will only find healing through him. If we continue to only address the symptoms, then our country will continue to erode. Legislation can try to fence in evil, but it can never, ever cure its cause. The good news of Jesus is the only hope for our nation. May we open our eyes to this cancer growing inside of us before it's too late. Monday's shooting in Nashville occurred at a Christian school. Don't miss that, a Christian school. Friends, trusting in Jesus does not remove suffering from our lives. Rather, it gives us hope beyond the pain and clarity in the midst of chaos. We know that God is working all things together for our greatest good. 
Pastor Chad Scruggs not only serves as the pastor of the church where the shooting occurred, but his nine-year-old daughter was also among those killed. He expressed a, a simple statement of faith amidst his deep loss. Quote, through tears we trust that she is in the arms of Jesus, who will raise her to life once again. End quote. May our Lord Jesus Christ bring his peace that passes all understanding into the hearts and the minds of all those affected by Monday's tragedy. May the Holy Spirit's comforting presence be deeply felt by each member of this community. May God the Father bring a greater good out of this tragedy than what evil intended. May many souls turn to Jesus through faith. Thank you for joining us today. We encourage you to visit our website at AntiochBristol.com. There you will find many ways to contact us and connect with us, and so much more. Until next time, stand firm in Jesus' truth.